Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts, Jeff Thomas. I have an absolute special treat for you today. We've got Ed Thomas with us today. Ed runs a family office with his sons here in uh, Houston. We've been friends for a long time. We met through the National Christian Foundation in Houston when we were both on the board. Ed is just, uh, when I picture Ed, I picture him with a big smile on his face, and so you'll hear that coming through today. It's been a joy to get to know his family as well. Of course, with us both having the last name Thomas, everybody thinks we're related. And I always joke that I call him uh, Uncle Ed, and we're not actually related, but as we always tell everybody, we're brothers in Christ. So, Ed Thomas, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here, Jeff. I count as very valuable your friendship for many years. Uh, Thank you, Ed. And, you know, one thing that I know we'll talk about today is also a new book that you've just released called Life Journey, Life Journey with God, which I really enjoyed. And I just finished reading it and I recommend it to everybody out there. And you really kind of tell your story, much of which, or a little bit of which we can perhaps recount today. But then you also really do such a great job of sort of tying scripture back to the principles that you try to live. And sometimes you see them in reverse, but So why don't we start at the beginning like we usually do, Ed. Tell us about, you've got a pretty interesting story, I think, of where you grew up, how that was, how sports played a role. Tell us a little about your early life. Jeff, uh, God started it all in 1943 when he created me, and I had a wonderful set of parents. We were in a very poor family. I had two sisters, and we didn't have any... Parents didn't have any uh, spare money, so I've worked ever since I was a very little kid. I mean, seven or eight years old, I was going door to door selling things, and it has just, and paper routes. I have seen the value of work. But I tell you, I grew up in a very godly family, very poor family. In fact, my parents built our first home. It was an adobe home, and it was out of mud and grass bricks that they themselves made and stacked to uh, make a home. So in 1939, the Great Depression ended, and but the effects of that still were dramatic in the yeah. uh, plains of Texas. So in 1943, when I came about, it was our family was extremely poor. My dad and mom were struggling with making ends meet. My dad had found out uh, that he had mechanical skills. He had he was forced to because he couldn't pay someone else to do. He had to fix everything. Fix everything. Right. Tractors and cars and pickups and stuff that you need when you're farming. And it became very evident that he could not support a family of five with uh, working on a farm in Littlefield, Texas. So. He knew someone, he had a relative over there, and we moved to Carlsbad, and he got a job as a tractor mechanic. And that started a whole new realm of uh, situations where we ended up moving to Hereford, Texas, 
because the water was so clean there. It was called a town without a toothache. My dad had ulcerated stomachs, so he needed to move to where the water wasn't as hard as it was in Carlsbad, New Mexico. So that put me where I grew up in Hereford, Texas, and it was a fun time growing up, but I accepted Jesus Christ early on and was baptized very early on, but I did not have the understanding of grace at that time, the unconditional and undeserved love of God. I had no idea about that at all. I thought, It was Jesus, and then the more you worked, as long as you did more good things and you did bad things, hey, you would go to heaven. Right, you could kind of earn it. Uh, You could earn your salvation. Right. It was Jesus plus work. Right. So that, oh, that just gave me all kinds of anxiety. Every night as a kid, I remember accepting Christ again just so I could wipe the slate clean for the next day. I did the same thing, man. I I got to admit, sometimes I'm still tempted to, I mean, I, you know, do that. Well, I try to anyway, but, you know. I'll tell you, by the time I finish talking to you about grace, you won't have to do that anymore. But as I uh, grew up, I saw that things were unusual in my house. We really focused on God a lot, but we didn't have a full understanding of exactly who he was, especially being our Heavenly Father. And so what I didn't realize when I had first accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, that he, according to Romans 8 that I read much later, had come to do two big things. Number one, adopt me into his family. I was now one of his kids. Yeah. Number two, that he absolutely was going to have a plan and purpose for my life and that he absolutely was going to indwell me with his Holy Spirit to give me power to fulfill that purpose. And so I didn't know that when I was growing up. In fact, it was much after I graduated from college that I began to realize that I was a whole baby. I was born again like when we as biological parents have our kids, we have babies, and they don't do much for our family. They, they take, 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 and we have to give, give, give right. when they're babies. Well, that's what God was. He was give, give, giving me, even as I was physically growing, I was still just a spiritual baby. And he had not uh, completely involve me in his word, which is the only spiritual food that we as believers and as born-again babies can begin to grow spiritually is through the word of God. And it was long after college when Wanda and I began to get involved in the word of God and we saw our spiritual growth take place. But when I was growing up, Physically, I was still a baby, so I didn't see a lot of things that God was doing behind the scenes in our one-sided love affair. God was pulling some strings that, it's just say, wow, how did that take place? And uh, one was 
1957, there was a Boy Scout Jamboree. There wasn't much to do when you're growing up in Hereford at that time, just scout. Now, our kids have innumerable choices to make, and we as parents just uh, go everywhere all the time trying to keep up with all the activities of kids. Well, Boy Scouts was it. Well, there was going to be a national jamboree in Valley Forge in Pennsylvania, and there's no way we could afford, my parents and I could not afford to go. Well, the Panhandle Council of Scouts made the decision that they were going to award one boy a paid trip to the jamboree and pay all of his expenses. Scholarship, basically. Scholarship is what we would call it today. That was given to me, and I look back on that, and it was a God thing. I call it a God hug. You know, our Heavenly Father loves to hug us when we're babies, and I I was a big-time baby in his arms at that time, and he has given me a big-time hug by allowing me to do that. It opened my eyes outside of West Texas to, hey, there's there's a big world in New York City, (laughs) and there's a big world in Philadelphia, and a big world in Valley Forge, and there's a lot of history there in Washington, D.C. Got to go there at that particular time. So it opened up my eyes to a lot of what uh, God was doing in different places. The second big hug that I got from God when I was still a spiritual baby was when I was a junior in high school. And we had a terrible football team. Just terrible. <laughs> we did not win a game. We lost 10 games straight. In fact, the last game, we lost 60 to nothing. And the referee invited me to leave the game. And uh, it was a guy that started a fight that I'd been blocking and, and all night long. And he uh, started a fight with me, and I joined in. So the referee invited us to leave. Well, after all of that, losing 10 games, being thrown out of the last one, losing it 60 nothing, I was named first team all day. Now, how does that happen? On a losing team? Well, listen, out now. Unfortunately, we are just recording the uh, the audio of this to release, but you may have been a spiritual baby, but you were a pretty large kid, I'm imagining. So I know you're being humble, but anybody who's met Ed or gets the pleasure of doing so in the future knows that it's not hard to imagine you on the line doing some pretty good blocking. Well, so. back in those days, Jeff, you went, you went, you played the whole game. Yeah, right. Uh, that was before they had all this special day and you needed. So you played both play sides, it. offensive line and defensive line? And special teams. <laughs> wow. 100, 100% of the whole game. Wow. So uh, I was named first team All-State my junior year. Then we really had a good team my senior year. We won four games, four out of <laughs> ten games. <laughs> Love it. Our powerhouse. And I was named first team All-State again. And was named on the Texas All-Star team and got to play in, in that game. I looked back and I said, that was God just giving his baby some hugs because he was setting me up for the pathway that he wanted me to travel. As a result of making first team All-State two years in a row, I had 47 scholarship offers. Amazing. And so... None of that's my, a lot of mail. <laughs> I had a lot of visits. Lot of well, visits. that's true, yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that every day. I, 
I got to get out of class and go visit another coach. Yeah. But God knew exactly where he wanted me to go. You know, we make all these plans, but he's the one that directs our path. That's right. So he had my paths already directed. I didn't know anything. None of my family uh, had ever gone to college. None of them. All the way back uh, in my descendants, none of them had gone to college. So that choice of where to go was made because there was a rich man in, in Hereford that had gone to Oklahoma State University. And I said, well, he probably will give me a job since I've worked for him every summer during, during college. He would give me a job if I go to Oklahoma State. And so I went to, uh, that was a decision, my plans. But God had the pathway already established. Right. So you um, thought you'd go, and you got this alum here, and he'd welcome you back absolutely. to work if you needed one. Hallelujah. That's <laughs> what a plan. What a plan. Had it all. <laughs> and when you grow up in a very poor family, having having that security. It, no, it, it actually makes total sense. And by the way, I don't know how the heck you're supposed to choose from 47, right? So I, well, the only way was just that. That's yeah, what I that's, thought. That's what I. Yeah, it made it. It made it a clear path for you. Okay. Well, God had other plans. So you go off to Oklahoma State, and now one thing. Now, well, you can tell the story as you want, but I can't wait because this is where you meet a very important person in your life. Exactly. Uh, uh, so. That that. Thank you for bringing that up, Jeff. When you're my age, you forget things. So, probably every chance you get. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. Wanda, my wife, Wanda Gray, was her maiden name, and I met her in college, and she was very popular because she was so pretty, and she had graduated as co-valedictorian from her high school, so she was very smart. And so I tried to date her in college, and she was so popular, she wanted to get to know as many people as she could. So she had dates, and the only reason she ever accepted the date from me was I was just another one of the hundred that she dated. Right. <laughs> but I tried to get follow-up dates, and the only way I could do it is as far out as a month ahead, I had to ask her. So it was very humbling to a guy that was, hey, man, big, big, big man, man on campus. On campus yeah. Hereford, and now I'm a nobody. <laughs> so God has a way of humbling all of us. Yeah. Anyway. Wanda was the main reason that I was there. The couple of other reasons was that the founder of Athletes in Action, of which, uh, is your daughter involved in that? She is at uh, Northwestern, yeah. Northwestern, yeah. yeah. So the founder of that was a guy by the name of Dave Hanna. And uh, Dave and I had played football together at Oklahoma State. Well, Dave Hanna also... Athletes in Action is under the Campus Crusade for Christ umbrella, which now is called Crew. It was under that umbrella. So he was a vice president of Campus Crusade for Christ under Bill Bright at that particular time. The second uh, guy that was instrumental and one of the uh, third reasons that God had me to go to Oklahoma State was a guy by by the name of John Maisel, who was the founder of East-West Ministries. Wow. And so as I look back, my kids, my son particularly, son Stephen, 
has traveled with east-west to Cuba many times and led 57 Cubans to Christ through the ministry of John Basil, who was a quarterback on my team. That's crazy. <laughs> so, well, it's God. It's God. And I tell you, that was just a pleasure looking back and seeing the reasons that God had me there and the plans that I had, which were, I continued to work for this rich guy during the summers uh, there my sophomore junior year. Oh, so that did work out. Well, I, I did have a job on, at the summer, and I loaded boxcars with 100 pounds of 100 pound sacks of potatoes. In fact, that's great. I tell you, we, I worked primarily with Hispanics, who I learned a work ethic. I thought I had a good work ethic until I worked around these guys that worked so hard to earn money. Yeah. And I, uh, they, they began to tell, call me El Toro in Spanish, which means the bull. And it was because I could put the ears of three sacks of those 100-pound sacks of potatoes in my tea and lift them so I could lift 300 pounds with my teeth. Well, the dentist here in Houston have big smiles on their face about that. <laughs> yeah, they need some money on that deal, but uh, I'm just picturing the workout regimen, uh, you know, my, my daughter gets from playing sports in college in the summer, and you didn't really need that big old spreadsheet of what squats to do. You were already squatting 300 pounds worth of potatoes. I mean, that, that was a harder workout than uh, they would have given you anyway. Yeah, we... When the potatoes are in, you've got to work. So I've seen uh, more than once the sun come up twice. So wow. and we're and we're still working. So that was a very hard job. It wasn't anything that he was giving me cush. Well, I did take that back. My junior year, he, uh, after my junior year, he made me the superintendent of the potato shed. So hey, man, no more loading the heavy stuff. I could tell other Big people. promotion. <laughs> <laughs> so all right all right let's get this thing back on track i just got that that's such a vivid picture but anyway okay so you and wanda get married i had the pleasure of knowing wanda who we know went to heaven recently and i know you'll talk some more about that but she was just an amazing woman and i really have a smile on my face remembering her because i was telling before we started recording being at the at uh, the celebration of her life. And the number one memory I have is of your smile, knowing where she was. And uh, it was just a beautiful thing that I'll never forget. So I know you guys had many adventures together. So talk about a little bit of, of what happened. I mean, I think one of the core things that I want people to hear from you is you, you really have this business motor that God put in you. We've been talking about the hard work, obviously football and this manual labor and the way you grew up, kind of hard scrabble all of those contribute, but you also kind of have this business mind, right? Where you sort of think about business a lot and that sort of yeah. thing. And I think, so I just want you to talk a little about your business career. Yeah. Good. Basically, following the security mindset, when I graduated from college, I took the most secure job I could get that paid the most. And that was with uh, what's now called Exxon, the Assemble Oil Refining here in Houston. And during the first five years and four of those, Wanda and I were married. We moved from Houston to Dallas to New Jersey to Caracas, Venezuela, wow. and then back and then back to Houston. And we were still babies in Christ. We still, I got 
I knew when our daughter Suzanne was born in Caracas, Venezuela, Suzanne Noel on Christmas Day. Wow. So I knew that I could no longer do the traveling regimen that I was uh, involved in being gone all except on weekends. So I came back and a guy tried tried to get me to go into uh, the property management business with him in Houston prior to my going to Venezuela. And so I came back and gave him a call. Hey, is that is that opportunity to be your partner still available? And that's the way I left this secure job into the property management over by the Galleria. Uh, drove by there last night, and I created nothing but office buildings, and we used to have the oldest apartment projects ever that we managed in that entire area. And that gave me time to begin to establish a two-sided relationship. Because what happened is it allowed me time to get involved in the Word of God. And Wanda, it began, she had the time and the focus once we started looking at the Word of God. And I know you're a big Bible study fellowship guy, and that's the way God raised you up and trained you in His Word. That was her, too. She liked the regimen of yelling in the blanks and writing down and reading and reading. I was a person that loved to just get into the depth of the Greek and the Hebrew and uh, look at all of that. And you look at my shelves here, they're full of those kind of uh, books. So I really got in depth into a study of Bible. Well, I just, that baby that God had been hugging all of a sudden began to grow and he got to be a teenager fairly quickly. and So, reading, uh, I, I'm, I just got a parallel in my brain. This picture just came to me because I keep having this picture of you loading those sacks of potatoes into the train car. <laughs> now you got the, the Word of God training the, the, your spiritual muscle. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, that, that's an excellent. Yeah, God had me lifting some 100-pound sacks of Bible. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I liked it. I liked it, Jeff. No, I... Uh, the growth that took place in Wanda and me at that particular time just accelerated so much. And I got to where I love the Word of God. And that's when I started picking up business principles. I was a partner in property management, and I was doing Bible studies. And at this particular time, it gave me opportunity to start the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in Houston. Mm-hmm. So that does uh, one thing. God gave me the privilege of doing. We started a board here, and I was president. That's a story that I put in my book is we had picked the first guy to become the executive director as a Rice graduate. He's a football player, real good football player, and we had chosen him. And all of a sudden, I get a call from a guy by the name of Jim Martin. He said, God told me that I was going to be the executive director of Fellowship Christian Athletes here in Houston. I said, we already chose somebody. He said, that's all right. God's got my back. So, well, if God's got your back, then well. He didn't tell you that. Yeah. He told me, have him dial me in. So, now, within two weeks, the guy that we had chosen got accepted to law school. And so he went to law school. And so we called Jim and said, hey, you're God's man. Come on over, man. FCA grew and expanded to all the high schools here and all the colleges here in town. It was an integral part of my younger son's life when he was going to Rice and playing football there. Uh, 
one of the guys that he played with, Joe Hornberger, was the FCA director at Rice. So that's yeah. shooting, shooting forward how God deals Crazy. with this. So, but, yeah, yeah, one story I want to make sure that everybody hears. Now, I know, and I know you're probably getting there, but is is I know you got into the real estate business, and like anybody, especially in Texas, uh, was in that business in the kind of mid to late 80s. You know, what we always talk about setbacks, you know, yeah. and I think, I think, I know when I'm listening to somebody's story, it's always helpful. Like I always, I think I identify more with the setbacks than I do the advances, you know? And yeah. so you have an yeah. amazing God story to tell about that. Yeah. And through God's eternal perspective, that's a set forward. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a setup for a comeback. Yeah, it's a set, a set up for a go forward. But it, in 1986, we had accumulated a lot of real estate and a lot of valuable real estate. And so Wanda and I were worth several million dollars. And 1986, they all went to less than $10 a barrel here in Houston. And since the whole economy here in Houston at that particular time was oil-based, all of our shopping centers and office buildings just cleared out. Nobody could pay their rent. So they just cleared out. So the banks started coming in, foreclosing on all these. Well, we were near bankruptcy, and I had signed personal liability on several million dollars worth of yep. loans on these office buildings, shopping centers that were now empty. So that, then I got a call from my friend, Dave Hanna, who founded Athletes in Action. He said, I'd like for you to come to a Campus Crusade for Christ conference over in Orlando. And I said, listen, Dave, if this is about money, you call one year too late. <laughs> and I stuff. <laughs> he said, no, no, come on over. Well, we listened to what God was doing in the world with money. One dollar using the Jesus spam would reach six people, and at least one of those would accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So one dollar equals one salvation. And I thought, Good gracious, I've never seen leverage like that in my life. So I said, God, I may be on the verge of bankruptcy and I've got all this personal liability, but you're putting it on my heart to pledge a million dollars. So I talked to Wanda and she said, yeah, we don't have a million. And I said, yeah, that's the fun of it. We're going to have to get on God to do it. Wow. And he did. He did. We pledged. He did within a few years. He uh, provided that million dollars to the Great Commission, and then he knocks on old Ed's mind, who said, hey, Ed, time to step up to the plate again. I got a big pitch here. And the big pitch was to add a zero to the million dollars I'd already given. I said, I may be dumb, but I think you're talking $10 million here. He said, yeah, that's adding a zero. And I said, good gracious, don't ask me to do that. Don't ask me. He said, who? delivered that million dollars who yeah. delivered that and i said you did god he said who's going to deliver the 10 anyway wanda and i made that pledge and she went home to heaven in march and we're 73 percent there god's either going to keep me around or the the kids kids will finish it off whenever i'm gone but i've i've left instructions for them that's the number one thing that has got to be completed is my pledge of, of the 10 million adding a zero to God. So, well, and I know you've gone around, when I think about you, I think about speaking, 
I think about you speaking kind of around two different uh, topics. One is just a simple gospel presentation of, let's just call it an evangelistic presentation of explaining that. So you've been around the globe with Wanda doing that, and I'd love for you to share a story or two about our Wanda, the little evangelist, and just some of your antics together. She was Thank you for asking about that, because that is, she was a school teacher. And the entire essence of the book that I wrote is, as Jesus chose 12 very ordinary men to change the world with his good news, Jesus still empowers Mm. ordinary people today to do supernatural, extraordinary things. Amen. And so here's a school teacher. And we were in Ukraine, which now is always in the news because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We were over in Lviv, which is one of the major cities in western Western Ukraine. And they had been trying to get a curriculum based on the character of Jesus. I call it a secret weapon into into the public schools there. And it was based on... uh, the life and character of Christ, and in one chapter, it presents the gospel, the old secret weapon coming in the back door using curriculum. And this curriculum addressed the major problems that every student was having, and that's sexual promiscuity and alcohol and drugs, the same problems that they're experiencing today. So they, the superintendent of schools, uh, was a woman that looked like an Olympic shot putter. You know, she big, old, strong lady. And so the uh, ones that had been trying, the two people that had been trying to get this into the schools for two years, they asked Wanda or me to speak. And Wanda said, listen, this is school teachers, and I'm a school teacher. I want to speak to them. So she got up in, uh, and this Olympic shot putter, the superintendent of the school, sitting directly across the table from me while Wanda was speaking. Wanda gets up, and she said, all school teachers, no matter where they are in the world, are truth seekers. Mm. I'm here to tell you about a person that said, I am the truth. And then she spent 20 minutes on talking about Jesus and the... Olympic shot putt lady, superintendent, tears could start coming down her eyes, and she turns to the wall, and she says something in Ukrainian, and I asked our translator what what she say. She said, we got to get Jesus into our schools. Uh So what they had tried to do for two years, this humble little tiny school teacher from Houston, God allowed her the privilege of doing that in one night. They opened it up, and we found out six months later that not only had it been put in the Lviv schools, but it was put in all the schools in Ukraine. So as you hear about the war and everything, I tell you, there are so many believers over there. In fact, at Wanda's going home celebration, of which you were there, and thank you for being there, which you were there, there were these two guys that were seated they came in with their wives and they were seated next to wanda i'm not next to i'm sorry next to this stranger that they didn't even know and 
Come to find out, this stranger they didn't know was a good friend of yours and mine, Morgan Jackson, from Faith Comes By Hearing. Yeah. And he had flown down for Albuquerque for Wanda's celebration. And these two others are Uzbekistanis, Uzbekistanis named Ivan and Sergey. And Ivan and Sergey were uh, led to the Lord through their sister and one's wife, one's uh, sister, same person. She led them because she had accepted Christ through the Jesus fam. She led her brother and her husband to Christ. They became beekeepers in Uzbekistan because that's the only way they could get Bibles into the country is with beehives. Oh, my God. Bibles and smuggle Bibles in. Well, they got caught and thrown into prison. So, and eventually thrown out of the country. And here these two guys are sitting next to uh, Morgan Jackson, Faith Comes By Hearing. Well, God had used them through his way of sovereignly taking these two Uzbekistans and getting them over to Houston and starting a brand new sports ministry for all of the refugees that are coming in. And Houston's the number two refugee city in in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so they were presenting the word of God through sports to them. Well, it was so successful in Houston that it spread to the other major countries. Now that sports ministry's in 200 countries in the world. And my younger son, Paul, is on the board of that particular sports catalyst. Well, these two are sitting next to Morgan Jackson. They don't know one another, and they start talking. And Morgan Jackson said, well, we'll provide you listening devices for the Ukrainian Bible for your military. And wow. I talked to Yvonne here last week. They were in our office, and they provided tens of thousands of these things to the Ukrainian military listening devices of the Bible in Ukrainian. So God is moving in Ukraine right now. But here's the beautiful thing is Wanda had that same uh, episode over in Samara, Russia, which is the Silicon Valley. And we were there for the crossroads and a similar type story in, in Russia. So what I want to uh, you to realize is these listening devices in Ukraine are also being provided the Russian military, yeah. um, the Russian Bible. So these, these are, these are more, uh, more effective weapons, shall we say, than, uh, than any hardware, military hardware. We're told in scripture, we only have one offensive weapon against Satan and that's the word of God. Yeah. So here they are using in the Russian military as well as the Ukrainian military. And as you using these two beekeepers out of Uzbekistan to, and they set up also 119 help centers for people fleeing out of Ukraine. And they're providing them Bibles as well, provide them food and shelter and uh, Bible. So that is a story that just continues. It just to, continues. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about uh, 
Ephesians 2.10, you know, one of my favorite verses where, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Like, Amen. I love how you uh, kind of go back and see, and you take the time to go back and see how God orchestrated all kinds of things and how he continues to do so. And there's there's one thing, you know, we talked before we started recording today about kind of the audience that we have, a lot of business owners thinking about this generosity thing, how do they use their platform uh, for God's glory and this sort of thing. And I think this is the other thing. I mentioned earlier that there are sort of two things I think of you always talking about. One is just the power of the Word of God that creates salvation through Christ Jesus. The second thing that I know that I think is just kind of who you are, and I think you speak to this and that story about God challenging you to give away money you didn't have, you know, and I know you've spoken many times on this idea of adding a zero. So what I'd like you to do is, is just for these business people that are riding the treadmill or, you know, listening in their car, you know, they're trying to, maybe they feel really driven like you do. I know you always talked about how you felt really driven in business yeah. and you thought about money and sometimes you had guilt about that. Yeah. yeah. Talk yeah. about maybe those issues. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Yes. I felt like Solomon. You know, you read in Ecclesiastes, he's just so frustrated with his whole life, and all, he's the richest man in the world, and he's coming to the conclusion that everything is meaningless. Yes. And I came to the same reality that all of this money that I've accumulated, God, overnight, overnight, it was gone. Yes. I was worth several millions of dollars overnight, no, no decisions on my own. Right. It wasn't a bad choice on my own. Right. It was gone. And I said, okay, I, <laughs> I understand, God, that uh, money is not the issue. In my Bible studies, I have come up with some principles that all business people need to hear. And, and the one that you've included in your book as well, Jeff, is God owns everything. I don't think business people realize that that uh, principle is there are so many verses that imply as well as just outright state that God owns everything. I'm just his money and asset manager. That's all I am. And we always need to check with the owner to see how he wants his money used. So, you know, people say, well, I'm tithing. I'm, I'm doing a great job. Well, I found out that God's allowing me to live on a lot of stuff that's his. <laughs> so, right. You know, so I began to realize that it's not a matter of money, and that should not be the focus, because I was felt so guilty, just like Solomon did. I felt so guilty about thinking about money so much, and God convinced me it's not about money. It's about what brings me glory. Well, and I think what's so cool about the way you express that, that I've heard you say many times, is, you know, you used to feel guilty about thinking about business. You know, God gave you yeah. that thought pattern. It's yeah. just for what purpose, right? Instead oh, yes. of for your own bank account, it's for Easily. his purposes. So yeah. I think you just, you know, he didn't, he made you that way for a reason. So he didn't yeah. make you on mistake to think about business, but for what purpose, yeah. right? And 
business people listening to this, you need to make as much money as you can. There you go. For God's glory. There you it's go. Not to build a bigger house. Right. As I told my as I told my kids, decide what house you want. And just because you can afford it, you go, don't build a bigger house in a bigger barn. Right. Because <laughs> tomorrow it may be empty as it was with me. So don't focus on things. Don't focus on possessions. If focus on what God wants you to use that money for. And Luke 6, 6, 8, 9 says, man, our focus should be on the eternal things, the souls of men and women. Yeah. And that's your heart will always follow where you store your treasures. That treasure principle in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, don't store up things for yourself on this earth. Store them up in heaven where they're eternal. And that God allows us, he doesn't need us, but he allows us the privilege of being involved in the salvation process of men and women. And that's the way he wanted us to use our money. In fact, established two filters Wanda and I did, leverage and legacy. Mm. And legacy is how many people can, my, can God's money stewarded through me have an effect on, on eternal, on their eternal home, heaven. On salvation. Yeah. yeah. And how, yeah. Yeah. You want to leverage. Salvation. Yeah. yeah leverage. You use your, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the, le that's the legacy. Right. Exactly. Are the souls of men and women. The leverage is putting it to get the maximum use. Now, that's why we have so many opportunities to give to so many different ministries and we always use these two filters yeah is hey what techniques and what strategies are you using to get the maximum usage out of god's money and let's leave them with one more and we're going to get to a practical tip at the very very end but the, just give them a couple of thoughts on this idea when i've been in meetings with you or just hung out with you one of the things i always come away with it is you're not interested in human-sized goals. You're interested in God-sized goals. And I don't think that's a common pattern of thinking, maybe even with believers. Talk about why you think about that, right? You're not interested in human goals, God-sized goals. What does that mean to you? Well, it gets back to adding a zero. It, exactly. It means that you have got to involve God. If you're comfortable in your giving, and it may be tithing, and you're very comfortable in giving 10%, or you may be comfortable in giving 20%, but somewhere along the line, you're going to say, how much is enough? And God owns the rest of it. And so shouldn't we focus the rest of it on eternity? Yeah. And so instead of living on and giving God and feeling very good about ourselves at 10%, he's saying, hey, how about 90% to me? And you say, like I did with my 10 million, whoa, God, how am I going to do that? He said, that's where I enter in. With God, it's possible. And, and, and isn't that the fun part? And he doesn't, because we talked earlier about he doesn't care about the money. He just cares about our hearts. And so you get on that path, it sounds scary, but it's actually the most fun, wouldn't you agree? It is. I, if you had told me in Herbert, Texas, or in Littlefield, when I was growing up in the Adobe home, that he was going to give me the privilege of being able to 
uh, be involved in some of the things that he's allowed me to be involved in. And it's all because I stepped out in faith. Faith is nothing exactly. more than trusting and believing God and allowing him to join you in the journey. And that's what the book is all about that I wrote is God is my life journey with God. Well, once again, yeah, it's called Life Journey with God. And and as we wrap up here, this has been so much fun. Uh, you know, we always try to wrap up with a practical tip, right? We're just We're just a couple of business guys just sharing our conversation with other business people that are listening to this. And, and, uh, you know, maybe they're just started out, you know, or maybe they're trying to step up or they're hearing you're at a zero and they're going, Holy smokes, yeah, holy there's smokes. no way I could do that or whatever it is. Is there something that comes to mind? Just some little practical yeah. tip that you could leave them with. Yeah. The most practical, uh, tip is use your life mm. for Christ. Life is an acronym. Life is labor, that's your business or, or your job, what you're involved in. Your I is influence. Use all of the influence you got in the boards and all of the owners that you know for Christ. The F is finances. Use your finances to bring glory to God. And the E is expertise. Mm. Use what you have learned through your business to bring glory to God. Use your life. L-F-E for Christ. Oh, man, that is a home run. Well, we're going to leave it there. Ed, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. God bless you, brother. Thank it's you. And thank you. It was a lot of fun, and I uh, can't wait to see you soon. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.